Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Thursday, July 28th, 2022, the 554th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. As always, I just want to thank all of you who are listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber on the Substack. I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can do that for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. It comes out to less than a quarter per episode. You will get all the writing when I release it, even if there's a paywall. You're going to blast right through that paywall onto the other side. And your support is what allows me to keep doing this. It is an honor to have your support, and I appreciate it more than I can possibly express. So let's get right into it. Yesterday, we talked about how the communists are redefining language. They are manipulating language to create an entirely false reality and trap people inside of that entirely false reality. I shared the quote from William Casey, the former director of the CIA. At least this quote is widely attributed to him. The quote is, we'll know our disinformation program is complete when everything the U.S. public believes is false. And I discussed a couple of Orwell quotes as well. 
Today, a user on Truth Social dropped this in my mentions. I actually read this essay back in 2020, and I want to share it with you. It is from Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and it's called Live Not by Lies. And before we get started, I just want to make sure that people understand the word samizdat, okay? Because that's going to be mentioned in this article. And Samizdat is defined as a system in the Soviet Union and countries within its orbit by which government suppressed literature was clandestinely printed and distributed. It was essentially their means of bypassing the propaganda and censorship regime. So, Solzhenitsyn, there was a time when we dared not rustle a whisper. But now we write and read Samizdat and congregating in the smoking rooms of research institutes heartily complain to each other of all they are muddling up, of all they are dragging us into. There's that unnecessary bravado around our ventures into space against the backdrop of ruin and poverty at home and the buttressing of distant savage regimes and the kindling of civil wars and the ill thought out cultivation of Mao Zedong at our expense to boot. In the end, we'll be the ones sent out against him and we'll have to go. What other option will there be? And they put whomever they want on trial and brand the healthy as mentally ill. And it is always they, while we are helpless. We're approaching the brink. Already a universal spiritual demise is upon us. A physical one is about to flare up and engulf us and our children while we continue to smile sheepishly and babble. But what can we do to stop it? We haven't the strength. We have so hopelessly seeded our humanity that for the modest handouts of today, we are ready to surrender up all principles, our soul, all the labors of our ancestors, all the prospects of our descendants, anything to avoid disrupting our meager existence. We have lost our strength, our pride, our passion. We do not even fear a common nuclear death, do not fear a third world war. Perhaps we'll hide away in some crevice, but fear only to take a civic stance. We hope only not to stray from the herd, not to set out on our own and risk suddenly having to make do without the white bread, the hot water heater, a Moscow residency permit. We have internalized well the lessons drummed into us by the state. We are forever content and comfortable with its premise. We cannot escape the environment, the social conditions. They shape us. Being determines consciousness. What have we to do with this? We can do nothing. But we can do everything, even if we comfort and lie to ourselves that this is not so. It is not they who are guilty of everything, but we ourselves, only we. Some will counter. But really, there is nothing to be done. Our mouths are gagged. No one listens to us. No one asks us. How can we make them listen to us? To make them reconsider is impossible. The natural thing would be simply not to reelect them. But there are no reelections in our country. In the West, they have strikes, protest marches, but we are too cowed, too scared. How does one just give up one's job, just go out onto the street? All the other fateful means resorted to over the last century of Russia's bitter history are even less fitting for us today. True, 
Let's not fall back on them. Today, when all the axes have hewn what they hacked, when all that was sown has borne fruit, we can see how lost, how drugged were those conceited youths who sought through terror, bloody uprising and civil war to make the country just and content. No thank you, fathers of enlightenment. We now know that the vileness of the means begets the vileness of the result. Let our hands be clean. So has the circle closed? So is there indeed no way out? So the only thing left to do is wait inertly? What if something just happens by itself? But it will never come unstuck by itself if we all every day continue to acknowledge, glorify, and strengthen it. If we do not at the least recoil from its most vulnerable point, from lies. When violence bursts onto the peaceful human condition, its face is flush with self-assurance. It displays on its banners and proclaims, I am violence, make way, step aside, I will crush you. But violence ages swiftly, a few years past, and it is no longer sure of itself. To prop itself up, to appear decent, it will without fail call forth its ally, lies. For violence has nothing to cover itself with but lies, and lies can only persist through violence. And it is not every day and not on every shoulder that violence brings down its heavy hand. It demands of us only a submission to lies, a daily participation in deceit, and this suffices as our fealty. And therein we find, neglected by us, the simplest, most accessible key to our liberation, a personal non-participation in lies. Even if all is covered by lies, even if all is under their rule, let us resist in the smallest way. Let their rule hold not through me. And this is the way to break out of the imaginary encirclement of our inertness, the easiest way for us and the most devastating for the lies. For when people renounce lies, lies simply cease to exist. Like parasites, they can only survive when attached to a person. We are not called upon to step out onto the square and shout the truth, to say out loud what we think. This is scary and we are not ready. But let us at least refuse to say what we do not think. This is the way then, the easiest and most accessible for us given our deep-seated organic cowardice. Much easier than, it's scary to even utter the words, civil disobedience a la Gandhi. Our way must be Never knowingly support lies. Having understood where the lies begin, and many see this line differently, step back from that gangrenous edge. Let us not glue back the flaking scales of the ideology, not gather back its crumbling bones, nor patch together its decomposing garb. And we will be amazed how swiftly and helplessly the lies will fall away, and that which is destined to be naked will be exposed as such to the world. And thus, overcoming our temerity, let each man choose. Will he remain a witting servant of the lies, needless to say, not due to natural predisposition, but in order to provide a living for the family, to rear the children in the spirit of lies? Or has the time come for him to stand straight as an honest man, worthy of the respect of his children and contemporaries? And from that day onward, he, will not write, sign, nor publish in any way 
a single line distorting so far as he can see the truth. And that is extremely important. Okay. As far as he can see, do not distort the truth so far as you can see it. No one has perfect knowledge. No one has access to perfect truth. That is not a condition of which we are capable. But our enemy does not believe that. They believe that they can access perfect and complete truth about this material realm. And that is what they're using all the data for. That's what the algorithm is intended to do. That's the superhuman AI. That is what they want. They want tangible access to the complete totality of knowledge and information about this material realm. That's not possible. And it's not required. All that's required is speaking truth insofar as you know it to the best of your ability. He will not utter such a line in private or in public conversation, nor read it from a crib sheet, nor speak it in the role of educator, canvasser, teacher, actor. Will not in painting, sculpture, photograph, technology, or music depict, support, or broadcast a single false thought, a single distortion of truth as he discerns it. Will not cite in writing or in speech a single guiding quote for gratification, insurance, for his success at work, unless he fully shares the cited thought and believes that it fits the context precisely. Will not be forced to a demonstration or a rally if it runs counter to his desire and his will. Will not take up and raise a banner or slogan in which he does not fully believe. Will not raise a hand in vote for a proposal which he does not sincerely support, will not vote openly or in secret ballot for a candidate whom he deems dubious or unworthy, will not be impelled to a meeting where a forced and distorted discussion is expected to take place, will at once walk out from a session, meeting, lecture, play, or film as soon as he hears the speaker utter a lie, ideological drivel, or shameless propaganda, will not subscribe to nor buy in retail, a newspaper or journal that distorts or hides the underlying facts. This is by no means an exhaustive list of the possible and necessary ways of evading lies. But he who begins to cleanse himself will, with a cleansed eye, easily discern yet other opportunities. Yes, at first it will not be fair. Someone will have to temporarily lose his job. For the young who seek to live by truth, this will at first severely complicate life. For their tests and quizzes, too, are stuffed with lies, and so choices will have to be made. But there is no loophole left for anyone who seeks to be honest, not even for a day, not even in the safest technical occupations can he avoid even a single one of the listed choices to be made in favor of either truth or lies, in favor of spiritual independence or spiritual servility. And as for him who lacks the courage to defend even his own soul, let him not brag of his progressive views, boast of his status as an academician, or a recognized artist, a distinguished citizen or general. Let him say to himself plainly, I am cattle. I am a coward. I seek only warmth and to eat my fill. For us, 
who have grown staid over time, even this most moderate path of resistance will not be easy to set out upon. But how much easier it is than self-immolation or even a hunger strike. Flames will not engulf your body. Your eyes will not pop out from the heat. Your family will always have at least a piece of black bread to wash down with a glass of clear water. Betrayed and deceived by us, did not a great European people, the Czechoslovaks, show us how one can stand down the tanks with bared chest alone as long as inside it beats a worthy heart. It will not be an easy path, perhaps, but it is the easiest among those that lie before us. Not an easy choice for the body, but the only one for the soul. No, not an easy path. But then we already have among us people, dozens even, who have for years abided by all these rules, who live by the truth. And so we need not be the first to set out on this path. Ours is but to join. The more of us set out together, the thicker our ranks, the easier and shorter will this path be for us all. If we become thousands, they will not cope. They will be unable to touch us. If we will grow to tens of thousands, we will not recognize our country. But if we shrink away, then let us cease complaining that someone does not let us draw breath. We do it to ourselves. Let us then cower and hunker down while our comrades, the biologists, bring closer the day when our thoughts can be read and our genes altered. And if from this also, we shrink away, then we are worthless, hopeless, and it is of us that Pushkin asks with scorn. Why offer the herds their liberation, their heritage each generation, the yoke with jingles and the whip? And that's Alexander Solzhenitsyn, February 12th, 1974. Isn't it incredible how much that reflects our experience right now in 2022. You see, this ideology has never gone away. It has only moved around the world. It is only the collectivist ideology and all its many bastard sons, communism, fascism, socialism, Nazism, democratic socialism, corporatism, stakeholder capitalism, state capitalism. These are all the same things. And we find ourselves now in a situation that mirrors the situation Solzhenitsyn described nearly 50 years ago. And I just want to repeat that line from near the end. Let us then cower and hunker down while our comrades, the biologists, bring closer the day when our thoughts can be read and our genes altered. He wrote that in 1974. That is exactly, exactly. What is being thrust upon the world right now and from the same people? And not everyone needs to go out in the public square and shout all of this at the top of their lungs. You just have to tell only truth and do not allow lies to be spoken around you without challenging them. That's all. And it may come with a cost that may cost you your membership in the party of false decorum to whatever extent you remain in the party. But the fact is, it's getting easier. 
more people are understanding that they've been lied to, which means that while some, the most insane people are going to get more angry than they ever have, they will threaten you. They will curse you. They will try to harm you, your reputation, your occupation. They will do that. But the number of people who will do that is growing smaller every day. The number of people who will support you and be inspired by your bravery to tell the truth themselves, that number's growing. And that's what we have to focus on. So let's get to one of the greatest unwitting red pill carpet bombings I've ever witnessed. This is Carrie Lake's opponent in Arizona doing an interview on CNN. Let's talk election integrity. Your opponent says she wouldn't have certified the election if she were governor, as Governor Ducey did. Would you have certified the election? Well, I'm a lawyer. I'm a trained lawyer. And I can't sit here and tell you without having been presented all the evidence. But there has been investigation after investigation. And are there things that need to be fixed? Absolutely. We sh- we've got to, it, we have to require voter ID and increase penalties for ballot harvesting. But I'm looking forward. I'm looking at 2022 and doing everything I can to keep Arizona's governor's office in Republican hands. And that requires us to look forward and, and articulate a vision for the future of this state. And that's what I've been focused on. Well, it's important looking forward, of course. But looking forward is Donald Trump very likely running for president again. So this is an entirely pertinent question. Would you have certified the election as governor? Again, like I said, I wasn't sitting there as Governor Ducey was presented with all the evidence. I have to assume, based on his looking at the evidence, that he did what but, he I mean, believed. But you've seen the evidence. Right. You've seen the result My- of audits. You've seen. You've seen. We've all seen the information coming out of Arizona. He endorsed there, you. There are investigations. There are investigations that are ongoing. And I tell everybody, when asked this question around the state of Arizona, my focus is on looking forward. I am not going to get stuck looking in the rearview mirror. I am focused on looking forward and making sure we do everything we can to elect a Republican governor in Arizona, to nominate a Republican that can win in November. That is my focus. Okay, but, you know, it's important... This is an important question, again, that that isn't necessarily a luxury that we have of just looking forward in this case. Do you accept the outcome of the election of 2020? We have the wrong guy in the White House, and I don't do like you accept who that is I'm, in the White House. You, okay, sorry, go on. So, I, you know, our Constitution provides for one president at a time, and I believe the wrong president is in the White House. In fact, that's why I have given up my career. Okay, but I'm giving wrongfully up my family elect- time and but, treasure to yes, run for le- governor I just want to be because very I want to get rid this. of Joe Biden. You think he's the wrong guy in the White House? Wrongfully Absolutely, elect- he's wrong- the wrong guy. Wrongfully elected or rightfully elected wrong guy for the job? Okay, the 2020 election, at a minimum, was not fair. And that's my consistent answer. We had the media suppressing news, and I don't need to say anything other than Hunter Biden. We had big tech silencing conservative voices. We had judges across this country changing the rules in the days and the weeks and the months leading up to the election under the, under, because of COVID and, and the chaos that surrounded COVID. At a minimum, it wasn't fair. We also had Mark Zuckerberg spending nearly a half a billion dollars 
to increase voter turnout in heavily Democrat areas across this country, including in Arizona. All those things together conspired to have 78% of the Republicans in Arizona thinking something was wrong with the election. I also am quite concerned about what President Biden and the Democrats are going to do in upcoming elections. Now that he has signed an executive order directing every agency of the federal government to increase voter turnout and registration in, in the same types of precincts that Mark Zuckerberg spent a half a billion but just, dollars. But really quickly, I'm focused on what they're okay. doing in the future. But before I let you go, do you accept the outcome of the 2020 election? We have the wrong guy in the White House, and that's all I'm going to say on that. That's why I'm running for governor, because I don't like who's in the White House, and Arizona needs to stay in Republican hands so that we can kick him out of the White House in 2024. Now, just right off the bat, I want to say, I think Carrie Lake is fantastic. I believe that she has earned the votes of MAGA Republicans in Arizona, and I hope she wins. If I was in Arizona, I would be supporting her. There is nothing about this answer from Robson that would make me question my position on the two of them. And I also don't believe that that was the best or most honest answer Robson could have given. I think that she was probably trying to thread the needle there. She says 78% of Arizona Republicans think that something was wrong with the 2020 election. She can't possibly hope to win her primary if she goes and says, yes, Joe Biden was legitimately elected, legitimately certified. He really received 81 million real legal American votes. That's not going to fly. So she's trying to give a softer version of that, that something was wrong with the election. If CNN's host had simply accepted her answer and moved on, none of that, none of what we just heard would have actually happened or had the effect that's going to have. You have to remember who's watching this. CNN viewers do not want to hear any of that answer. And CNN's host herself made that so much worse on CNN's viewers than it had to be by turning that into a struggle session, by trying to make Robson admit that somehow Joe Biden was legitimately elected, that he really got 81 million real legal American votes. This is what they've been doing for two years. And two years ago, this worked a whole lot better. And I say two years because they were actually doing this before the election. They did the same thing to Donald Trump in the debates in 2016. Even they tried to make him say that he would accept the results of the election no matter what. They tried over and over and over again to get him to say that. And it never worked. She keeps trying to make Robson say that the election was legitimate, that there were no problems, that Joe Biden was legitimately elected. And every time she asked again, it got worse and more obvious that she would not say that. Now, nothing about her answer is pleasing to us. We know the situation we know the fraud that exists. We know about the maladministration. We know about it on 20, 30, 50, 100 different levels, different for each state. That's what people have been studying for the last 21 months now. The evidence 
of election fraud and election theft and maladministration is overwhelming. It is irrefutable. And that's why everyone who opens their minds enough to actually take a look at it understands that it happened. So assuming that Robson has looked, I mean, she is running for governor of Arizona. Assuming that she's looked, her answer is weak at best and just completely dishonest at worst. If she lived up to her responsibility, what is required of her as a candidate for governor, then she would know that the election was stolen. The election was conducted outside of the law. And the honest answer in that interview would have been to say exactly that. Now, maybe she hasn't looked or maybe she's lying. Maybe this is some version of clever political speech. But how does that sound if you're a CNN viewer who has convinced themselves that election fraud is the big lie that Joe Biden is indisputably a legitimately elected president? They've been told by people like that CNN host that all of this stuff was audited and they only found. Remember what they said about the Arizona audit when the first audit report came out? They said upon the recount from the Arizona audit, it actually proved that Joe Biden won by even more. Remember that they found like 900 more votes. Now, did that include whether or not the votes they counted were legal? No, that part of the report did not include that. But CNN ran with it. MSNBC ran with it. And their viewers now believe it. Their viewers really believe that everyone checked multiple times, thoroughly checked multiple times in Arizona, in Georgia, in Michigan, in Wisconsin, in Pennsylvania. They really, really checked. They made absolutely certain that the election results were legitimate. That's what CNN viewers believe. That is just absolutely not true in any way. And understanding the audits that were done would make it clear that that's not what happened. They didn't thoroughly check. In fact, in all those states, there have been lawsuits to ensure that no one ever could check. But CNN's viewers don't understand that. They are incentivized to believe the exact opposite. And CNN drills it into their heads every day. How crushing must it be to see the non-MAGA candidate running in the GOP primary for Arizona governor, refusing to admit that Joe Biden was legitimately elected. Now they're going to paint the non-MAGA candidate as QAnon. And what a nightmare for Doug Ducey, who's endorsing this woman. She basically just said that Doug Ducey certified an election with all of these problems, problems so severe that she's not even willing to say when asked five times by a CNN host that Joe Biden was legitimately elected. And she's not going for the hard claim, the far off claim that the election was flat out stolen. And she's not the MAGA candidate. So how hard must this be for a tiny commie child brain to wrestle with? How are they going to marginalize that? Is Robson an election denier or not? 
Did she just tell the big lie? I can't quite tell. And imagine seeing that while knowing that the most popular president of all time now has the worst approval ratings in history. And that's even with the skewed polls. I mentioned the Richard Barris poll the other day, People's Pundit. 4% strongly approve of Joe Biden in Arizona. We're talking about people whose entire belief system is formed around what they believe the consensus truth is. They care only about the democracy of their beliefs, that enough people agree with them. Therefore, they're either right or can't be blamed for being wrong. They are fully incentivized to not know anything true. And they are beginning to grasp or at least sense that no one agrees with them anymore. They no longer have their strength in numbers. The only thing that makes them feel safe. That's why they lash out so much, by the way. They can see all of this collapsing around them. This sort of thing is like normie kryptonite. I'll be surprised, actually, if CNN even leaves that clip on their website. Although with their new ownership, who knows? But that is like normie kryptonite right there. Now, sticking with the subject of CNN, Donald Trump has announced that he will be filing a lawsuit against CNN. And this letter is dated July 21st, but we all just saw it yesterday. And this is a letter addressed to CNN's CEO, Chris Licht, and CNN's executive vice president and general counsel, David Vigilante, or maybe it's Vigilante, but this is a 282 page letter demanding retractions from CNN for all of the lies they have told about President Donald Trump. And it starts out, notice of intent to bring civil action for defamation. Pursuant to Florida statute, this letter serves as formal notice of the false statements about President Donald J. Trump, President Trump, in numerous articles and televised transmissions published by Cable News Network Incorporated, CNN, including but not limited to those discussed below. In accordance with Florida statute, CNN must publish a full and fair correction, apology, or retraction in the same editions or corresponding issues of the website publication in which the aforementioned articles, transcripts, or broadcasts appeared, and in as conspicuous a place and type as said original article, transcript, or broadcast within 10 days from the date of service of this notice. Failure to publish such a correction, apology, or retraction will result in the filing of a lawsuit and damages being sought against you, CNN. And I want to go through a little bit of this just to kind of give you a flavor of things. The 2016 presidential election. So they're taking it all the way back to the beginning. In November 2016, Americans participated in a spirited presidential election, pitting Hillary Rodham Clinton against President Trump. President Trump earned 306 electoral college votes compared to Clinton's 227. 
After the 2016 election, various members of the Democratic Party gave numerous televised statements claiming the 2016 election was illegitimate. This included suggestions about Russian interference causing President Trump to win the election and regular referrals to President Trump being an illegitimate president. CNN repeatedly allowed for assertions that President Trump was illegitimately elected to go largely unchallenged, including statements made by Hillary Clinton, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, Jimmy Carter, Jerry Nadler, John Lewis, Dianne Feinstein, Marsha Fudge, and Debbie Wasserman Schultz. The 2020 presidential election. On and around November 3rd, 2020, Americans participated in another hotly contested presidential election. As COVID-19 continued to cause infections and deaths across the country, election officials instituted unusual expansions of voting methods and periods. Voters were subjected to scalding advertisements and media personalities predicting calamities wedded to electing Joe Biden or reelecting President Donald Trump, depending on the speaker's point of view. Many Trump supporters went to bed the night of November 3rd, 2020, with high hopes for President Trump's reelection, seeing leads for their candidate in several important states, such as Pennsylvania, Georgia and Michigan. By the morning, media outlets were announcing a lead for Biden, with late night tabulations turning the tide in the former vice president's favor. By the following weekend, CNN announced that Biden had won the election and was already asserting that. The president falsely claimed the election was being stolen from him as many mail-in ballots, which were often counted after election day votes, landed in the column of his opponent. For the ensuing two months, President Trump asserted that the election had been rigged against him, as he had predicted before the election when early voting and mail-in ballot usage were greatly expanded. Some administration officials and supporters rejected the idea, largely accepting that cheating had taken place, but believing it could not have been of such scale as to make the president lose the battleground states. Dozens of lawsuits were filed across the country, with the majority ending up dismissed on procedural grounds. Lawyers for the president pursued a claim that an elaborate international conspiracy coupled with a commonly used voting machine were somehow responsible for President Biden's win. Recounts and audits in various states continued into the middle of 2021. CNN's reporting both before the election as well as after the election consistently fed a narrative that denounced President Trump's legitimacy and competency. The reporting appears to be results oriented as betrayed in an undercover video. A CNN employee was filmed discussing the defendant's coverage of the 2020 presidential election. The employee boasted that CNN helped to defeat President Trump in the 2020 election and called the defendant, his employer, propaganda. Look at what we did. We got Trump out. I'm 100% going to say it, and I 100% believe it that if it wasn't for CNN, I don't know that Trump would have got voted out. CNN's rush to label President Trump a liar. Even as the state tabulation audits and recounts began to take place and long before they concluded in mid-2021, CNN began referring to President Trump as lying. Webster's Dictionary defines a lie as an assertion of something known or believed by the speaker to be untrue with intent to deceive. 
The definition then is not limited to simply being wrong about an assertion. It instead requires the speaker to know he or she is speaking falsely and to specifically harbor an intent to mislead. In this instance, President Trump's comments are not lies. He subjectively believes that the results of the 2020 presidential election turned on fraudulent voting activity in several key states. Furthermore, The repeated characterization of President Trump lying was distinctly at odds with CNN's treatment of individuals claiming President Trump's 2016 election win was illegitimate or based upon Russian interference. CNN's branding of President Trump as a liar extends to likening him to Nazis and communists. For the months and years that have followed the 2020 election, CNN took it upon itself to engage in a campaign of dissuasion, branding President Trump a liar and one who subscribes to the notion of the big lie. As CNN repeatedly reminds its readers, that concept is linked to Adolf Hitler and Joseph Goebbels and the Nazi era idiom. If you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. If the articles fail to overtly link Trump to Hitler, a particularly offensive slur for a man with Jewish members of his immediate family, they regularly draw comparisons between Trump and China's Xi Jinping. Reportedly, the term big lie has been uttered in the context of President Trump's belief more than 7,700 times on CNN since January of 2021. And let's remind ourselves of the full context of the big lie as attributed to Joseph Goebbels. If you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. The lie can be maintained only for such time as the state can shield the people from the political, economic and or military consequences of the lie. It thus becomes vitally important for the state to use all of its powers to repress dissent, for the truth is the mortal enemy of the lie, and thus, by extension, the truth is the greatest enemy of the state. Now, in that framing, the proper framing of the big lie, that is the statement. Whether or not it is legitimately attributed to Goebbels, it is certainly broadly attributed to Goebbels. That part of it is irrelevant. The full framing is what's important. And with that full framing, it is literally impossible for Donald Trump to be spreading the big lie. And it's not possible for election fraud claims of election fraud to be the big lie. In fact, we see the exact opposite. We see the state using all of its powers to repress dissent, all of them. The political persecution is undeniable. The censorship is undeniable. And I discussed this yesterday. They have members of their elite intellectual class literally promoting censorship on their social media, in the articles they write. We had the press secretary and the fake president both encouraging the social media platforms to do more to stop the spread of disinformation. We had them encouraging the podcast platforms like Spotify to do more to shut down podcasts 
that were spreading disinformation. And you remember that back a few months ago with Joe Rogan, they were all getting upset at Joe Rogan. They were saying that the podcast platforms need to do more to shut down this kind of disinformation. And Joe Rogan basically accepted it. He said, yeah, I don't care if you put labels on my stuff. I don't care if you take down old episodes. Thank you for the $300 million. And I said at the time, it was very likely that shows much smaller than Joe Rogan's were going to be shut down because he essentially gave them cover. He gave them permission. And wouldn't you know it? A few weeks later, my show was banned from Spotify. And was it for something I said? I don't know. It got banned right after I did an episode on Ukrainian bio labs. But also within the few weeks leading up to that, I had discovered that their numbers, the play count was completely falsified. And I imagine that's true for musicians as well. What would that mean for all those massive musicians on Spotify? If their play counts are all fake, are they being robbed of money? Yes. Are some being given money who probably didn't deserve it? Also, yes. And I imagine Spotify hopes that none of those major musicians will ever find out because that could be a real problem for them. But we had the fake president and the fake press secretary out there asking, quote unquote, private companies to do more to censor the political speech of American citizens in direct violation of their First Amendment rights. And then yesterday I shared with you the director of the WHO, one of the global governing bodies, asking for more censorship of what they call disinformation about monkeypox. So when you can see the American state, the American government and the global government all aligned in an effort to censor the citizens of the world and using the power of the state to do so, how is it possible that the people being censored are the ones telling the big lie? It's not possible. Donald Trump and his supporters are not using any of the powers of the state to repress dissent. All he does and all we do is express the truth in as many places as possible. So as many people as possible will hear it. And we hope that they will investigate what we say and find out that there actually is overwhelming evidence irrefutable evidence that the 2020 election was stolen and not just for President Trump, for politicians all across the country. We have a government making rules for us, regulating how we live, how we conduct business, what we are allowed to say, a large portion of which is doing so illegitimately, not freely and fairly elected, not interested in empowering the will of the people. They're literally trying to change how our elections are run so they can legalize and legitimize all of the illegal practices they've been employing. That's why they're putting these laws in place or attempting to, I should say. They're now pushing for a national popular vote because they know there's no way they can win enough states to win a presidential election 
ever again without completely legalizing all of the means and methods by which they steal elections. The big lie is that Joe Biden legitimately received 81 million real legal American votes. That didn't happen. We know it's a lie. And the state uses each and every one of its powers to repress dissent. And I know I haven't spent much time on it, but CNN CEO, now that the company is under new ownership, has banned the use of the phrase, the big lie on CNN. And this is mentioned in the letter on June 15th, 2022, CNN's new chairman and CEO, Chris Licht, reportedly held a conference call with top CNN producers in which he expressed displeasure with the use of big lie. Since then, CNN's on-air personalities, including John King, Jake Tapper, John Avlon, Brianna Keelar, Don Lemon, and Jeffrey Tubin, among others, have continued to use the phrase in describing President Trump's subjective state of mind, despite an apparent admonition from their chief executive officer. The unique treatment of President Trump's beliefs versus those belonging to other public figures. One of the clearest indicators of CNN's malice is that unlike any other public figure, even those for which there have been specific determinations of dishonesty, it is President Trump to whom CNN's employees comfortably and consistently attach the liar label. Below are just several examples of scenarios in which CNN possessed objective evidence of the declarant's dishonesty, yet never characterized the person as a liar or as utilizing the big lie propaganda technique. And right out of the gate, they come out with Jussie Smollett and then immediately move to Andrew McCabe and Stacey Abrams. Questions about election integrity are not baseless. Well, after the election process and associated litigation has died down, information continues to be gathered that suggests there were unusual problems with the 2020 election. A CNN article from February 2022 reported on a recent CNN poll showing that 56% of Americans have little or no confidence in our elections, with just 68% of Democrats expressing confidence and 41% of independents. CNN's editor-at-large ascribes this level of doubt to the insidiousness of Trump's big lie and likens his claims to an earworm wheedling its way into the consciousness of the public. There is no room, of course, for any other explanation for public doubt of the election's accuracy than nearly supernatural powers of President Trump to control minds. The Heritage Foundation summarizes voting fraud cases from around the country, typically citing prosecutor press releases for the information. Just using 2021-22, the Heritage Foundation has documented voting fraud convictions in Arizona, California, Florida, Michigan, New Hampshire, Texas, Colorado, Kansas, Mississippi, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and West Virginia. This does not include pending cases, but simply cases in which criminal convictions have resulted from the prosecution. The Heritage Foundation's election fraud database contains 1,365 
proven instances of election fraud, 1,173 criminal convictions and 48 civil penalties. And they give example after example over the course of the 26 pages of the letter. And then there are another 256 pages of exhibits supporting the claims in the letter. I'm going to jump down to the bottom of the letter because I'm not going to go through all 26 pages. As mentioned above, CNN is estimated to have used the big lie phrase or to characterize President Trump as lying roughly 7,700 times during broadcasted television shows and repeats of those shows. These defamatory comments have continued even after the new CEO of CNN apparently urged production teams to stop. Accordingly, I hereby demand on behalf of President Donald Trump that CNN one immediately take down the false and defamatory publications Two, immediately issue a full and fair retraction of the statements identified herein in as conspicuous a manner as they were originally published and three immediately cease and desist from its continued use of big lie and lying when describing President Trump's subjective belief regarding the integrity of the 2020 election. Finally, this letter also serves as notice to you and your affiliated entities, officers, directors, journalists, correspondents, editors, employees, agents, assignees, and other persons acting on behalf of or in concert with you to preserve any and all evidence related in any way to the above mentioned accusations you made and any other accusations that you have published regarding President Trump. By this letter, you are hereby directed not to destroy, conceal or alter any paper or electronic files, physical evidence and or other data relating in any way, no matter how remote to your accusations against President Trump and or the circumstances leading to their dissemination, including, but not limited to, one, all communications between you and any third party in any way related to your accusations against President Trump, two, all sources for your accusations against President Trump, three, any and all documents and data referring to, reflecting, or relating to communications between you and any such third parties and or sources regarding your accusations against President Trump and for any and all other documents in any way related to your accusations against President Trump. I understand that many records and files are maintained electronically. However, this letter specifically requests that all paper and hard copy originals be maintained and preserved in their original format. By the same token, electronic documents and the storage media on which they reside may contain relevant, discoverable information beyond that which may be found in printed documents. Therefore, even where a paper copy exists and has been preserved, please preserve and maintain all electronically stored documents in their original native format, including all metadata. This preservation demand specifically encompasses any and all electronic documents, including but not limited to all word processed files, emails, spreadsheets, all databases, log files, and any other electronically stored and or generated documents or files. Now, this is pretty incredible. Okay, that's a preservation of documents demand. That is a 10 day timeline from when they were served notice of that letter to cease and desist 
with the behavior and to formally and publicly retract all of it, all of it. Now, can CNN do that? Will they do that? Almost definitely not. But the one reason I think they might is because they are under new ownership with a new CEO. Do they really want to assume all of that liability? I can't imagine they do. Now, maybe they think there's no way that Donald Trump could ever win this case. And they might think they're better off attempting to preserve whatever shred of credibility CNN might have left. They might think that an admission of all of this, that it was all a lie, would be too devastating for CNN to ever continue. I would actually argue that the only way CNN could ever become relevant in any way ever again is if they actually do admit that all of that was a lie and clean house of everyone on air that repeated those lies and everyone behind the scenes that supported all of this. At least then they could just move forward, have CNN's infrastructure and the ability to run a mass media cable news network and maybe just start back from nothing and try to rebuild their credibility in the only honorable way to admit that all of it was wrong and begin to win back people's trust one story at a time, one truthfully told story at a time, regardless of whose agenda it serves. I have a feeling we're going to learn quite a lot about CNN's future over the next week. Which path will they take? The Hill published this piece this morning. Dynamic shifts between Fox News, Donald Trump, former President Trump, while in office, could usually turn to Fox News for comfort. There were differences from time to time, and Trump made headlines occasionally by going after personalities on Fox, most famously Megyn Kelly during a 2015 GOP presidential primary debate. But for the most part, Trump, a rabid cable news follower, could tune in to find Fox News's star hosts heaping praise on him and his administration while lambasting his critics and political enemies. Trump still has his supporters on the network, but the dynamic between a former president openly flirting with another run for the White House and Rupert Murdoch's top media asset is definitely changing. For one thing, Fox is more focused on President Biden, a subject of relentless primetime attacks, than Trump. And the network didn't air Trump's speech this week in Washington, D.C., even as it did air a portion of an earlier addressed Tuesday by former Vice President Mike Pence. Trump's superpower is getting all the coverage. That's not happening anymore. Fox is not covering him 24 hours a day, said Daniel Casino, a media expert who wrote a 2016 book about the network's influence over American politics. So it seems that is leading to frustration that he's not dominating Fox the way he did before. That tension boiled over this week. When Trump lashed out at Fox and its flagship morning program, Fox and Friends, after two of the show's longtime co-hosts threw cold water on polling, suggesting young voters felt Trump was the best choice for Republicans looking to win back the White House. And they're referring to that straw poll from the Turning Point USA event over the weekend that had 79 percent of those young Republicans choosing Donald Trump as the preferred candidate for 2024 with fewer than 20% choosing Ron DeSantis. 
Other Murdoch-owned media properties have separately fired off editorials critical of Trump in the wake of damaging revelations from the House panel investigating the January 6th, 2021 attack on the Capitol. Character is revealed in a crisis and Mr. Pence passed his January 6th trial. The Wall Street Journal's editorial board wrote last week, Mr. Trump utterly failed his. Mr. Trump took an oath to defend the Constitution, and he had a duty as commander in chief to protect the Capitol from a mob attacking it in his name. He refused, the board declared, just totally ignoring the facts that he had the National Guard ready to go and protect the Capitol in the days leading up to January 6th. But that was refused by Muriel Bowser and Nancy Pelosi. Just ignore those facts completely. Editorial board of the very austere Wall Street Journal. The New York Post, also owned by Murdoch, ripped Trump in a separate editorial. It's up to the Justice Department to decide if this is a crime. But as a matter of principle, as a matter of character, Trump has proven himself unworthy to be this country's chief executive again, it wrote. His only focus was to find any means, damn the consequences, to block the peaceful transfer of power. There is no other explanation, just as there is no defense for his refusal to stop the violence. And yeah, sure, editorial board of the New York Post. He even tried to participate in the violence. He tried to take over the presidential limousine so he could drive it straight down to the Capitol, jump out and get handed guns by all of the armed Trump supporters that day. I mean, no guns were actually recovered by law enforcement from any Trump supporters that day whatsoever. <laughs> but who cares about that? And don't worry, Murdoch Properties. I'm sure Donald Trump's not going to sue you next after CNN. There's just no way. Trump, in a statement on Tuesday, complained that Fox, The Journal, and The Post have always been against me until I won. It's going to be funny, actually, when The Wall Street Journal and The New York Post end up endorsing Donald Trump for president in 2024. News Corp declined to comment on Trump's recent attacks. Ooh, attacks. A representative for Trump did not return a request for comment on suggestions that he has fallen out of favor with Murdoch. And why would anyone return requests for anything from The Hill? What a pathetic rag The Hill is. Spats between Trump and Murdoch's conservative media empire are not unheard of. The former president was infuriated by the outlet's decision to call Arizona for Biden on election night and famously sparred with one of its former top anchors, Chris Wallace, before the election on a number of occasions. Hey, how come Chris Wallace isn't at Fox anymore? Because Chris Wallace is a liberal shill and propagandist? Well, sure. Yeah, that's part of it. Where did Chris Wallace go? To CNN Plus. How long did CNN Plus last for? Three weeks. Several of Fox's top personalities were also critical of Trump following the 2020 election. The recent ascension of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis to the national spotlight has given Murdoch's news outlets a new face to put forth for its millions of viewers and readers as a potential successor to Trump as the leader of the Republican Party and conservative movement. British pundit Piers Morgan, whom Murdoch recently hired to host a show on UK-based talk TV, 
penned an op-ed in the Post earlier this summer, explicitly urging conservative voters in the U.S. to dump Trump and throw their support behind DeSantis. I think that Trump is quite frankly a dead weight for Fox and Murdoch, said A.J. Bauer, a professor at the University of Alabama who researches and analyzes trends in conservative media. He did a lot of very helpful work for them. He boosted them for four, five, six years, but they're not loyal in the way he expects and the way he needs in order for his political winds to shift. Hey, Donald Trump doesn't need his political winds to shift. He is by far the leading candidate for the GOP nomination in 2024. His movement grows every single day. And we haven't even reached the moment at which it will grow to be just about everybody. Some say that if Trump wins the GOP presidential nomination again, Murdoch and the former president could put their public feuding aside as they have in previous years. Well, yes, that's possible. Or he could sue them out of existence like he is with CNN right now. If Trump runs for president in 2024 and buries the field, there will be plenty of time for Murdoch to do what he traditionally does, place his bet on the leading pony. Jack Schaefer, the longtime media writer, said in a column reacting to the editorials from the Journal and the Post this week, like a pair of powerful gangsters who quarrel over how to divide the spoils, Murdoch and Trump will reconcile if they determine it's in their mutual interests to reconcile. Trump also still gets plenty of coverage on primetime Fox that he likes. Host Laura Ingram on Tuesday reacted to news of the Justice Department, including Trump and its ongoing investigations into January 6th by calling it a political vendetta to prevent someone from running for office and succeeding and winning the presidency again to millions and millions of Americans. And it's also worth noting that The Hill is taking as fact that the DOJ is investigating whether or not Trump should be indicted based on what the January 6th panel has found. But those reports in the Washington Post, as they often are, are based on anonymous sources, just like Russiagate, just like the Ukraine impeachment hoax, just like they do over and over again with their stories about bounties on American soldiers or about Donald Trump calling veterans suckers and losers. There's just simply no proof anywhere that any of that is true at all. But hey, the Washington Post reported it. So as far as the Hill is concerned, it's absolutely true. Fellow primetime host Sean Hannity a longtime personal friend of Trump, has routinely denounced the January 6th panel as a witch hunt, lacking merit. And that is the end of this very serious news article. The degree of panic in all this really is astounding. But what about the COVID aspect of the big lie? This is from the Washington Free Beacon yesterday. How the CDC coordinated with big tech to censor Americans. 
The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention coordinated with social media companies and Google to censor users who expressed skepticism or criticism of COVID-19 vaccines, according to a trove of internal communications obtained by America First Legal and shared exclusively with the Washington Free Beacon. Over the course of at least six months, starting in December 2020, CDC officials regularly communicated with personnel at Twitter, Facebook, and Google over vaccine misinformation. At various times, CDC officials would flag specific posts by users on social media platforms, such as Twitter, as example posts. In one email to a CDC staffer, a Twitter employee said he is, quote, looking forward to setting up regular chats, end quote, with the agency. Other emails show the scheduling of meetings with the CDC over how to best police alleged misinformation about COVID-19 vaccines. Although many of the posts flagged by the CDC contained false information about the COVID-19 vaccines, the efforts to police misinformation also resulted in mistaken acts of censorship. The truth is, all acts of censorship are mistaken. It would be nice if they mentioned that. An April 2021 email from a CDC staffer to Facebook states that, quote, the algorithms that Facebook and other social media networks are apparently using to screen out posting by sources of vaccine misinformation are also apparently screening out valid public health messaging, including Wyoming health communications. The communications reveal a high level of coordination between the government and tech industry during the pandemic and raise questions about the extent to which other private companies are working with the federal government to censor the public. The Biden administration has faced criticism for engaging in what some have called Orwellian practices, such as the establishment of the Department of Homeland Security Disinformation Governance Board. The Free Beacon reported that the now shuttered disinformation board arranged a meeting with a Twitter executive who blocked users from sharing stories about Hunter Biden's laptop. Does Hunter Biden's laptop qualify as an example of the big lie where the state uses all of its powers to repress dissent? <laughs> yeah, it does. The CDC's effort to police alleged disinformation expanded to other federal agencies as well. An internal March 2021 email from a senior CDC staffer states, we are working on a project with the census to leverage their infrastructure to identify and monitor social media for vaccine misinformation. That really makes you trust the census, doesn't it? One email shows a senior CDC official appeared at Google's 2020 Trusted Media Summit. The conference, according to its website, was, quote, for journalists, fact checkers, educators, researchers, and others who work in the area of fact checking, verification, media literacy, and otherwise fighting misinformation. One of the organizers of the conference asked the senior CDC official for permission to post her remarks on YouTube. That official declined, saying she was not authorized to speak publicly. In the same email chain with a senior CDC official, a Google staffer offers to promote an initiative from the World Health Organization about, quote, addressing the COVID-19 infodemic and strengthen community resilience against misinformation, end quote. Oh, an infodemic. Is that what we're going to hear? Are we going to hear that disinformation is a public health crisis? It's so good that we have these global governing bodies to turn to 
when everybody needs to be properly controlled. Facebook also awarded the CDC with $15 million in ad credits for the company's platforms in April 2021, according to several emails. Isn't that so nice? Facebook is just basically doing charity on behalf of the government. This gift will be used by CDC's COVID-19 response to support the agency's messages on Facebook and extend the reach of COVID-19 related Facebook content, including messages on vaccines, social distancing, travel, and other priority communication messages and internal CDC memo reads. A Facebook official says the platform has been transparent about its work with public health organizations, quote, to address health misinformation, end quote. The platform also says it has asked its internal oversight board to assess whether its, quote, current COVID-19 misinformation policy is still appropriate now that the pandemic has evolved. Twitter and Google declined to comment. The CDC did not respond to a request for comment. Tensions between the CDC's powers and protecting the public's civil liberties have arisen since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. White House Chief Medical Advisor Dr. Anthony Fauci called a judge overruling the CDC's mask mandate disturbing. Concerns about the CDC's judgment has also led the Democratic-controlled cities of New York and San Francisco to ignore the agency's guidance on monkeypox vaccinations. Oh, no. Now New York and San Francisco are telling the big lie, too. But it's not a lie and it's not disinformation. If you're lying in the same direction as the communists, just harder. And let's read the framing of the big lie as attributed to Goebbels once again. If you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. The lie can be maintained only for such time as the state can shield the people from the political, economic, and or military consequences of the lie. It thus becomes vitally important for the state to use all of its powers to repress dissent. For the truth is the mortal enemy of the lie, and thus by extension, the truth is the greatest enemy of the state. Again and again and again. We watch as our old guard institutions and the global governing bodies repeat this process again and again and again about every single issue that threatens their power. And the more obvious this becomes to the people of America and to the people of the world, the bigger the lie must become and the more state power must be used to repress dissent. Which is why in the face of all that, we must commit to always telling the truth. Live not by lies. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm Your Moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!